Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Altius Images Drone Positive Podcast. I'm Todd Dudley and I'm the founder and director of Altius Images and on this podcast we are trying to change the negative public perception of our multi-rotated friends one positive story at a time. There are plenty of stories out there that show just how amazing drones can be and I'll be bringing you one of those stories each week. So let's fly into some positivity and see just how amazing drones are. This week we meet the scientists and their underwater drones that are tackling the weirdly complicated world of ocean carbon. So picture the scene, it's that rarest of rare conditions along coastal Newfoundland, a dead calm day. By 7am, the crew aboard the fishing boat Belle of the Bay are taking full advantage of it, steaming out of the harbour in heart's content under dazzling July sunshine, with their sights set on a prize catched in the middle of Trinity Bay. It's not fish they're after. The object awaiting them looks like a mashup between a torpedo, a banana and a Dash 8, a type of underwater drone called a glider. This isn't the regular kind of job that I would recommend for people that don't like to be challenged. It's a mission, said Nikolai von Oppaun-Bronikowski, the head of Memorial University's glider operations. I think everybody that works with gliders sees themselves, in one way or another, on a mission. Today's mission to retrieve that glider, nicknamed Migaloo, after a humpback whale, is a team effort. It combines the scientific lens of Nikolai and his research assistant with the fishing father-son duo of Doug and Kyle Piercy who have loaned their boat and expertise to Memorial University glider research for nearly a decade. It's not light, Doug Piercy says, as he and Nikolai heave the one and a half metre long Migaloo out of the bay. The two check it over, paying particular attention to a prototype sensor attached to it like a little scientific backpack. This is the pH sensor right there, that the whole fuss is about, said Nikolai. At first glance, Migaloo and its sensor are intact, making the first milestone in a year-long effort everyone on the boat simply refers to as ACOP, the Atlantic Carbon Observatory Pilot Program. ACOP is sort of a small stepping stone in terms of advancing our ability to make more measurements of CO2 in the ocean, said Nikolai. Those measurements are badly needed as carbon dioxide emissions in the atmosphere continue to climb. If you ask the question, where is most of the carbon on our planet, the answer is, it's in the ocean, said Brad DeYoung, who is a physical oceanographer at Memorial University and lead researcher with ACOP. The world's oceans are a vast carbon sink, absorbing anywhere from a quarter to a third of the carbon dioxide we pump into the atmosphere. What that means for us, in a planetary sense, is that the rise that we see in CO2 in the atmosphere is a lot less than it would otherwise be if there was no ocean. So the ocean plays a big role in mitigating and slowing down the pace of climate change, said de Young. But exactly how much carbon the ocean has absorbed, and where its limit to do so may lie, are some of the many unknowns in this area of oceanography. Carbon in the ocean is weirdly complicated, said de Young. Unlike things like temperature, de Young said... Sensors to measure various aspects of ocean carbon are not so easy to build, not so reliable, and just not as well developed. So, the Carbon Observatory is basically a platform where we can test and actually use the instruments. Migaloo's pH sensor, taking stock of acidity, is one such ACOP instrument. Carbon makes the ocean more acidic, and checking pH is one way to try and pinpoint carbon uptake. There's an international scientific effort looking into these carbon questions, and ACOP, which involves an array of partners, including Dalhousie University and the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, is, for now, focusing its attention on the coastal waters of Newfoundland and Labrador. Because, as it turns out, one thing science has pinpointed is that some areas of the world's oceans are better at absorbing carbon than others. The North Atlantic is one such spot, with the Labrador Sea, that remote stretch of sea between Labrador and Greenland, a particular star, thanks in part to its often stormy surface acting as a sort of lung. Think of the ocean as kind of reaching up to the atmosphere in the Labrador Sea and breathing and extracting carbon dioxide and oxygen out of the atmosphere, said de Young. de Young and his team would like to fly their gliders into the Labrador Sea to collect valuable ocean carbon data. While that can be collected by scientists aboard ships, 
there are big drawbacks to that work. Research ships are in short supply in Canada, and getting a spot on a mission that does go out is extremely costly. Plus, such missions in the Labrador Sea happen mostly in the summer, and ACOP wants to know what's happening in the winter, when temperatures plunge, winds rage and waves average 15 metres high, and the carbon uptake is thought to be higher. It's a very challenging place to make measurements, and at the same time, it's absolutely critical that we make measurements there. It's a catch-22, said Nikolai. De Young recalled one infamous ship-based winter mission to the Labrador Sea, where, in 65 days at sea, they got one day of useful work. That's not a very good way to get work done. This is where autonomous vehicle technology, like gliders, comes in handy. They've definitely changed the game, said Uta Paso, a biological oceanographer at MUN and another member of the ACOP team. Gliders do need to surface to transmit information back to waiting researchers, but they spend the majority of their time underwater and are able to dodge a lot of rough waters in a way ships simply can't. Plus, they can roam around the ocean, where ship-based measurements are confined to one spot at one point in time. These autonomous vehicles, like gliders or observatories, they will increase our data input by orders of magnitude and will hopefully allow us to make predictions, said Passau. If we want to make predictions that are reliable, we really need to understand how the ocean will respond to climate change, and if it will continue to take up carbon, or take up more carbon in the future, or less carbon. So we really need to understand the carbon cycle, and we don't at the time. In an era of climate anxiety and uncertainty, it's scary to consider that lack of knowledge at the highest level of expertise. But for de Young, hope lies in projects like ACOP. The question now is, should we throw up our hands and say, oh my gosh, this is just such a big problem, said de Young, and that's not a reasonable response. I think part of what we argue is, let's document what's happening so we understand where the critical spaces are and how we can perhaps adapt. The Atlantic Carbon Observatory pilot program runs until mid-2023, and its team hopes that a permanent carbon observatory can arise out of it, one that would include international teamwork to continue to chip away at its ocean carbon questions. There we go, we often talk about air-based drones, but this week we've got an underwater-based drone, which is equally as cool. But that does it for another week of Drone Positive. We would love for you to get in touch with us on social media. We are at Altius Images on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us easily enough on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. All of the links for our channels are down below, so do please reach out. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, guys. Please subscribe to, share, and rate the podcast so that we can spread our positivity as far and wide as possible. We'll see you next Monday for the next episode of Drone Positive. But for now, fly safe and stay safe, folks. Bye-bye.